0: hey everybody and welcome to today's episode of the new normal joining me today is emerald Camus bateman and we're going to be having a discussion about the american election that's going to be taking place later this year and we're just going to run through a few different things and how we see the election playing out on on the whole so emerald how are you doing
1: i'm doing pretty well uh i'm really looking forward to getting into these uh points and just maybe offering some perspective uh, because I am living in this country, but uh, thanks for having me on, Lucas. And let's get let's get right into it. I think we're going to be talking about uh, the coronavirus impacting election first. Is that right?
0: Yeah, sounds good. So, I think America today we've just seen it record now the highest number of deaths in the world when we're talking about different countries, and I think it's quite clear that it's fast becoming a very serious situation there. So, how do you see that impacting people's choice when it comes to voting?
1: Well, just on the ground, what I'd like to just point out, um, if your listeners have listened or up to date on your podcast, um, although the numbers are scary, and I know you've likened them towards the the Great Depression, it doesn't it doesn't feel like people are like it's hit, is is what I'd say, and in the way that it's almost like people are not really registering the fact that those jobs are gone. And one thing I'd like to point out is that in the Great Depression, you know, the economy wasn't as uh, able to adapt as it is today. So we didn't have people working online. Now, I know a lot of people are still not working online. And the unemployment is like people who don't have jobs. But it's not as if, you know, the symptoms that caused the Great Depression are not the same Obviously, as the symptoms that are going to be causing this recession. It is probably going to be a recession for a quarter. But my opinion is I wouldn't be too optimistic that we're going to bounce back to normal. But I disagree with the idea that it's going to be this fundamental change just because of the virus. And that there's going to be sort of wide scale uh, poverty and, and, some, and stuff of that like.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the whole way that this is going to develop is depending on the time frame. I mean, I don't think it's really that clear when this is going to be over. So some people are saying it's going to be at least another year. They're saying there could be another peak later on this year. So I think that largely how people go back to living in a sort of normal situation will depend on how long this takes to get better. Because I mean, right now it isn't showing much sign of letting up. I think slowly there's a bit more of a flattening of the curve, but right now we're seeing more deaths every day. So I think that this is obviously a major, major issue right now is the pandemic. And just how central do you think it's probably going to be when it comes to deciding uh, who who is going to be the next president? Because obviously Trump is right there. He's in the spotlight every day and, Biden is, I guess, going to have to try to control the narrative when it comes to this. So how pivotal do you think the virus will be when it comes to people making a decision in November?
1: So my thinking is that although Trump did not handle this well, by any means, he's not alone in that regard. And the reason why the U.S. is experiencing these kind of uh, these more significant leaps in the virus than sort of other Western European countries um, is the fact that we're so decentralized. And I think it's probably a mistake that Trump has not taken sort of federal control of this. But if he did, it leads to a lot more risk uh, for him politically and also in terms of the situation, I think. I think it is probably better managed um, on a on a sort of distributed basis. So I think that will very much depend on the election on first of all, how long it drags out. Second of all, sort of how badly it impacts the economy and jobs. And probably thirdly, if Biden can really hammer down on what he would have done differently in terms of the substance or the policy with regarding to this, um, then he could be able to use it against Trump but, I mean, you're looking at uh, approval ratings of Trump that are just nowhere near what they what they usually are during his presidency. So, he's ex- he's experiencing a huge bump from this sort of rally around the flag phenomenon that he's trying to attach himself to. So, really, I think it's too early to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if we're looking at approval ratings, after 9-11, George W. Bush, his approval rating went as high as 80%. So... I think there is something about a national crisis that leads to probably a more patriotic feeling. I think that's certainly the case here. People are feeling a very strong attachment to the president here. And I think there is some sort of rally that will take place. However, again, this is, I think, tied to the time frame of the virus and how bad things really get because while people are rallying, as you say, I think that if things get really, really serious and Trump isn't really offering many solutions, I think it could really cause a major hit to him and his approval ratings. And I think closer to the time, as you say, it's too early to tell, but we'll probably get a much clearer picture of how people are viewing him and his handling of the situation. But I think let's move on from coronavirus for now. And let's go into how the campaign will play out with regards to debates and examining the different candidates and their strengths and weaknesses. So I think obviously the coronavirus is gonna impact how the campaigns play out. And I think it's pretty clear that it's not gonna be a typical sort of campaign with huge rallies. Even if things do get better, it's unlikely that we're gonna be seeing these huge gatherings of people, at least for the foreseeable future. So how do you think that's going to affect the different candidates' campaigns and how they managed to generate an excitement and energy around their campaign.
1: Well, depending on uh, your political leaning, uh, probably would in the Democratic Party, I would say you'd have different opinions on this. So I'll try and be uh, sort of objective in how I analyze this. But I think a debate really does not serve Biden at all. It is something that is hugely going to benefit Trump unless Biden completely unless he's not, he doesn't suffer from any uh, mental degenerative illness, as so many people, including myself, believe that he does. If he somehow doesn't and there's a miraculous turn of events and he is able to speak and sort of have intelligent comebacks towards Trump, then I think maybe that that would be a different story. But as we look at it now, a, a, a debate would truly be Trump completely lambasting Biden on everything from his son, his personal life, Ukraine. And the thing is, Biden doesn't have anything new on Trump. Biden doesn't have anything that hasn't been thrown at Trump before. So if people have not let any of the things that Biden could throw at Trump affect their reasoning to vote for him, I don't see why they'd affect it now. But I think not having the debate and having the democratic uh, what is it called, the convention, so late in the year because of this coronavirus means that the party is still super fragmented. And no, but Biden has not had a wild sort of... He has people on his side that have not been on his side for a long time by that point, if people do generally rally around him. Whereas I think by that point, Trump will have been building on these approval ratings and he'll be building on his base this whole time in a period of uh comparable stability compared to the democrats which means that i think he will be able to have rallies as soon as august or october and i think that could be that could be really good for him that's just that's just my opinion on that but just back to the coronavirus i think that because it truly matters how how they how they respond to this crisis if they respond according to the needs of the people and they're able to keep these low income and working class people afloat during this time, like they should be, that is really the response they should be taking. Then I think he'll probably see a re-election. If he can keep the, the lower classes afloat long enough for their economy to regenerate, he'll probably see a re-election. However, if this if all the spending continues to be just bailouts for big companies and stuff, and people are falling into poverty, I think Biden has a chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if we were to go back probably a couple of months ago, I think it would be a totally different story. I think we'd probably say that Trump would have a close to 90 percent chance of being reelected going against Biden. I mean, Biden is a historically weak candidate. I think you've touched on there a lot of the things that Trump is going to attack him on. But I think we need to focus on his cognitive decline as all, which is so clear. I mean, at least with Hillary Hillary Clinton, you know, we had the bad record, but also she could speak and she could articulate her points pretty clearly. Whereas I think with Biden, he he just can't do that anymore. And I think that if there are no debates and if you can sort of hide away from the public, that is probably going to work in his favor. Ultimately. I think that was his strategy for most of the primary and, his rallies, if you compare them to someone like Bernie's rallies, they're, they're incomparable, actually. We'd you know we see a f- like a few hundred people turning out to a Biden rally, whereas Bernie would get close to 20,000 regularly, especially closer towards Super Tuesday. And Biden won a bunch of states that he literally did not campaign in once, did not employ a single person in those states. So I think a lot of his support is just almost default support. You could describe it as people just hear the name Joe Biden, they think, okay, Obama, Biden, sure, sounds good. So I think if anything, this probably works in his favor. And if Trump can't hold these rallies, I think that probably does hinder him, because a lot of the energy around his campaign is in these rallies. I think he his speeches are always extremely fiery, and he knows how to fire up the crowd. So I think That if trump can't use that it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses he can obviously control the narrative with his daily press briefings but i do think that a lack of open campaigning and debates probably works more in biden's favor than anyone else and i'd say we're probably closer to 50 50 i mean i think it's anyone's game at this stage really obviously, it's still a few months away. So I think we'll get a clearer picture closer to the time of where things are heading. But right now, I think Biden is probably better positioned to put off a win than he could have even hoped for. Um, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think those are some decent points. And I definitely agree with the fact that in order to beat Trump, you need, if you're not going to have a movement candidate, you at least need someone that is sort of almost reptilian. You need someone that is sort of rooted in the cold hard facts that can combat what he says without getting too personally attacked. And Hillary Clinton did that okay. Uh, She is definitely that type of person, not a very likable person, but she's able to sort of combat his mistruths and his outrageous statements and sort of his misguided policy proposals in a way that Biden will just not be able to do. So definitely a debate helps Trump, I mean, helps Biden in that he doesn't have to deal with that. But with Biden, what we're dealing with is a candidate that has no, like, enthusiasm in his vote. Yes, he might have won the Democratic nomination, but literally on the backs of all of the other candidates that had built momentum. Say whatever you want about Pete Buttigieg or, I mean, Warren or... Any of the other candidates, they had built, except for maybe Harris, I think she and Biden are the most comparable. But these other candidates built a campaign. Biden was handed his. And then he was handed his victory by the fact that they were dropping out. So if Biden isn't able to get out there and get Trump to speak in a debate, I think maybe he also loses a bit in that if people can't see Trump saying things and they can't see him at his rallies, he doesn't offend as many people. And that is the reason that people vote for Biden. They don't vote for him because they like him. They vote for him because of something that Trump did that is sits wrong with them On the policy, they're the same president. In fact, I think, I mean, with I guess Biden's not a trade protectionist at all. So with Biden, you get maybe a little bit more liberal social policies, but not not really. And you get some more free trade. So on the policy, Biden really doesn't really have anything on Trump. And if the virus, if Trump's able to hold rallies, even month two months before, I think that will be enough to energize his base. So I definitely agree with you. I think it's, it's could definitely kind of a 50-50 at this point, but I I do think it's Trump's to lose.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what is also interesting about what's happening with Biden is that With Hillary, I think a lot of Bernie's base was very keen for her as well when it came down to it. there was at least some sort of excitement, could have been the first woman president. With Biden, you're getting nothing. And I think we're seeing a lot more people on the left who were very supportive of Bernie who are saying, maybe not saying that they would prefer Trump over Biden, but they're saying, what does Biden have that appeals to me? And the answer for a lot of people is nothing. I don't think that he is particularly convincing when he's trying to reach out to Bernie supporters and his record speaks to that. So it's very clear to examine his voting record. And it's quite clear to see that even if he says, okay, sure, we can adopt one or two of these policies, he's probably not going to stick with that, even if he gets elected. He recently said that he would veto Medicare for all. I don't think that he has really much chance of winning a lot of Bernie supporters over to him. And That's what he really needs to do here because Bernie had energy behind him. Whether his base was wide enough to win, I think it showed that it probably wasn't, but there was energy there and Biden needs some energy right now. And a lot of people are probably just going to stay home in November or vote third party. And although I don't think that's necessarily a vote for Trump, which a lot of people on the left are saying, if you don't vote for Biden, you're voting for Trump. I don't think that's true at all. But I think he faces a serious risk where he doesn't even have about five, 10% of the democratic base behind him. And I think that could really hurt him as well when it comes down to the general election, if he doesn't even have his whole party behind him.
1: Yes. What do you think? think? I think on the left, um, Hillary, yeah, she, she had the social side of it. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that was well-placed. I mean, I don't know if, A woman who sort of stands by her husband completely ruining a young woman's life and lying about it and everything else. It really has much authority to say, after she stood by him in that, to talk about Me Too or uh, all of her relationships with all of these shady Hollywood people. I mean, Trump has them too, but Trump's not the one pretending that he's a feminist. So.
0: No, that's true. But
1: she had that sort of cultural left behind her, and I really cannot understand how you could get that sort of 30 to 35-year-old, 30 to 40-year-old professional woman, kind of suburban, uh, sort of not hyper-masculine dad to support him based on those merits, that he is sort of this cultural hero of the left. I mean, he, he even presents himself, even he doesn't, he doesn't even want to be that person. And on the economics, yeah. I mean, I, I said it in, a little bit ago, but I think if you look at what Bernie stands for and you look at what Biden stands for and in terms of what they've views they've held for a long time, if you're looking for non-intervention, now, of course, Trump, I mean, he's in the Republican Party, so he's always going to be battling against people that want to get involved in wars and stuff. But he himself, I I truly believe probably is doesn't want to get involved in wars. Whereas Biden, you can't say that. I mean, he's for it. And in terms of his voting record, he's also for it. And then in terms of trade as well, I mean, this is something that Trump has that, I mean, Biden was instrumental in creating NAFTA and all of these different things that have really savaged the working class of this country. With Bernie, it was going to be very tough for Trump to try and go further left and further pro worker than Bernie even in his talking points. But with Biden, it's so easy. So I think it's going to be very tough to watch all these people that, that were supporting Bernie to get behind Biden, because I don't think that they're going to want to do that. I don't even think they're going to do it as much as they did for Hillary. And I just think they're not going to vote. I think when you ask people, Bernie voters, if they would vote for Biden over Trump, I think, sure. Yeah, they probably will. If, they, if they're if they asked in the polling. But what you have to understand in this country is voter turnout, whether it be through voter suppression or whether it be just because of the weird ways in which it happens, not a lot of people vote. And these people didn't even come out to Bernie for Bernie in large numbers in the primary. So I don't see why they would come out for Biden, their non-preferred candidate, against Trump. So if Trump can energize his base, then... I think that he'll he'll probably if he can energize it enough to and not offend people for the rest of this year as much as he has in previous years, I think he has a pretty good shot.
0: Yeah, I mean I think you make a great point there about the voter turnout. With with a candidate like Biden where there's almost no energy behind him, people might say in the polls, sure, you know, I'll vote for Biden, but are they actually gonna go out there On election day they're gonna go stand in a long queue to go vote for Biden you know I think some will but at the same time quite a few people won't so I think Trump is positioned well there in terms of his energy Biden needs to work on that fast and he also needs to work on bringing more young people in because Bernie dominated amongst the young the young electorate in the primary as much as 75 percent 80 percent in some states so are these people gonna be energized to vote for Biden? Again, some will, but I think a large portion of them won't and that could really hurt his chances when push comes to shove later on in the year. But I think let's begin to slowly wrap up and move on to our final predictions for what we think initially is going to happen in November. I think we'll probably have to update it as the pandemic progresses and we get closer to the time, but let's move on to what we think was gonna happen in the election. So we did speak what we think in terms of like 50-50, who will probably be the next president, whether it continues to be Trump or whether Biden becomes president. But right now, who do you think will win? And how do you see the different states voting in November?
1: So I'm thinking if I had to just make a a what's-in-my-gut decision, I think Trump will probably win, but I think the the down ballot races and the congressional races and the senate races are a completely different story. So I think that's really where we start to what where we need to start to look because whether Biden is able to win or not with a very little amount of support, he's not going to swing any people to vote for in down ballot races that wouldn't normally vote that way, he's not going to be, you know, Obama flipping districts or anything like that. So I think Trump will probably win, um, based on some of the things that we've talked about. But I think he really needs to do well in the suburbs if he wants to not be if he wants to not be a completely useless president and have more investigations and everything else. And uh, sort of obstructionism from the House. So, I mean, the House is probably not likely to be won by the Republicans. But if they can get enough seats that they can swing over a few sort of more Republican-leaning Democrats and they keep the Senate, then that is really what we need to be thinking about, just in my opinion. But I think if he can appeal to the suburbs more and he can just not just tone down his like kind of offensive meter. I think his base will probably though they won't be as, as excited as they were against Clinton, but if he can keep, you know, roughly 90% of them that vote for him that voted for him then. Um, and I'm not talking about those swing States. I think he stands a decent shot at adding also in some suburban votes. If he can, remain non as non offensive as he can
0: yeah i mean in the midterms i think the democrats made quite a few gains like in the suburbs amongst a lot of districts that would have gone republicans so maybe a sort of anti trump vote there but and i think a lot of that is probably related to his how offensive he is but just looking at the electoral map and all the states that Trump flipped. So that's Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida. I just don't see Biden flipping enough of those back that he can win because obviously there are quite a few states that are definitely going to go for Republicans, quite a few states that are definitely going to go for Democratic. So where it comes down to in those key states, I don't think Biden brings anything extra to the game that is going to propel him and the Democrats to flip these states
1: see, back this is to the Democratic Party. I think he's going to flip a ton of those states that voted for Trump, that were those surprise ones. Um, I think he's, remember, a lot of these people are not actually thinking about the policy at all. They're thinking about how he presents himself. And that is where he does actually have, that's the only place that he has an advantage. Elderly white voters in those Rust Belt states, he's presented himself his entire life, whether or not he's actually been pro-worker is another story, but he presents himself as you know, the moderate Democrat who kind of the, I like to call like a kind of a guard dog Democrat uh, in that, you know, when he when he made his comments about when Trump won, there was something where like, oh, if I could just get him, get him in a loan, he's a bully, etc. Cetera, et cetera, like that Robert De Niro kind of vibe. I think that is going to serve him there. But Biden just completely neglects like Hispanic people. Like he, he's running an electoral campaign that presupposes it's 1980 or 1990. And if mm-hmm. you look at a lot of Hispanics, if Trump can, he hasn't been too offensive towards them in the last couple of years. And if he can, if somebody in that party is clever enough to figure out that a lot of these people are actually more likely to lean Republican than they are Democrat, just based on other things apart from the fact of their national origin in that they're quite religious. They come from a lot of socialist countries. So they actually, in most cases, don't have as favorable view of socias- socialism as uh, white Democrats do. So I think if, tr- if he loses those states in the Midwest and the Rust Belt, I think he could, Trump could make up those gains in the Southwest, in Texas, in even California a little bit. But I think the main thing to help Trump in California is just uh, people staying home. I think that's going to be- benefit him a lot. But I th- I disagree with you and that, that I think that Biden can win back some of those states.
0: Yeah, well, one thing is definitely very certain that it's going to be a very unique campaign. I think the whole pandemic is shaping the world in a very different way and how people campaign and how whether people are going to turn out as much. I think that's still quite a mystery at this stage, but we'll probably get a clearer picture close to the time. But thanks so much for joining me today, Emerald. So for those of you who don't know, Emeril also has a podcast. So Emerald, do you maybe just want to give people a brief sort of overview of what your podcast is about?
1: Yeah, so my podcast is called The State of Us, and uh, thank you, Lucas, for first of all having me on, and also for uh, giving me the, sort of letting me know how how easy it was to create a podcast. And also, so on my podcast, I cover on Sundays, I cover uh, music, entertainment, movies, and then on Tuesdays, I cover politics and stuff similar to this. And then on Thursdays, we have a wildcard episode, which is uh, just kind of lifestyle-based and could be anything but you can check that out. The podcast is called The State of Us and you can find it in my Instagram or even if you just look it up. Uh, Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on.
0: Yeah, it was great chatting to you and we must do this again soon. Yeah, definitely. Cheers.